Hi there. Welcome to the How to Market Your Horse Business podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me here today. My name is Denise Alvarez, and I get the pleasure of hosting you here each week on the podcast. And I get the pleasure of serving horse business owners like you as well through my business, Storm Lily Marketing. So in case we are new friends, I will briefly tell you about that. And then I will introduce my guest for today, who I am so excited for you to meet. So as I said, Storm Lovely Marketing is my business, and through that, I get to help horse business owners like you turn your website visitors into your customers, and I do that through one-on-one coaching as well as website design and content, email marketing strategy, and Social Stride, my monthly coaching program. I do each of these things because I want to help you all be out in the barn and out in the arena doing the things that you really love to do, right? And I know that for many of you. Marketing may not always be at the top of that list, or maybe it is. Maybe you enjoy it, but you just need a little bit of a leg up. Either way, that's why I'm here, and that's why I've created the podcast. I will use a mix of step-by-step strategies and basic how-tos here to help you not only see what's possible for your business, but to guide you through that process to make it happen. And one of the ways that I get to do that is by bringing guests onto the podcast to join me. And so today I am elated to introduce you to Mike Major of Mike Major Horsemanship. And many of you may recognize his name and know him because he is this year's Road to the Horse Colt Starting Champion. So many of you may have heard the episode that I did back in March, sharing some of my highlights and takeaways from my time at that event. And then I even made a new friend that you met here on the podcast named Chris Stein, who was with Justin Boots. And he introduced me to Mike's daughter, Alexa, because it turned out that Chris's father-in-law was Mike Major. And Alexa does his marketing and he said, oh, you guys should connect. So it's been super fun to get to know different facets and parts of Mike's family. And today you get to meet Mike himself. And then next week, actually, Alexa is going to come on and share some other marketing strategies and business strategies that she has brought to the table as well. But I wanted to invite Mike on because he is like so many of you that are listening, so many horse business owners, because you're most comfortable doing what it is that you enjoy. And for many of you, that is the one-on-one work with horses, right? Whether you're doing equine body work or you're training or you have a lesson program, you got into it because you love horses and that's what you enjoy. And then you became a business owner, right? So often, and I've talked about this here before, right? The horses come first and then comes the business. And then all of a sudden you're the CEO of your business and you're not sure what to do. So Mike understands that. He knows what it's like to start from scratch. He's even, as you will hear, restarted in different disciplines and even a new state before. And in his own words, it's tough to turn a horse business into a profitable business, But it's obviously doable, and Mike is a great example of that. Mike has been doing this for more than 40 years, at least. You know, I didn't actually ask him, but I looked on the website, and he's been doing this for a very long time, as you will hear. But it takes work to make it happen, right? And as you'll hear him share, it takes making some very intentional decisions along the way to build a horse business that really can stand the test of time and be sustainable. And I would say 40 plus years is sustainable, and I'm sure you would as well. Now, Mike is also like some of you on the podcast that 
He doesn't sit around and think marketing all the time. And so he did not come to this interview with a list like some of you may be used to on the podcast, right? I often will have a guest share a few specific tips and strategies that they have in mind. But instead, I asked Mike to come and share more about his journey and his story and how he has gotten to where he is today. Some of those intentional decisions that he will share that he's made. And I want you to listen in and learn from somebody that I think you're really going to identify with because he obviously knows horses. He is the road to the horse champion after all, but he also knows quite a bit about building a sustainable horse business. Now on the other side of our conversation, so after you listen to Mike and I chat, stay tuned because I'm going to pull out five specific keys that I believe Mike really honed in on in our conversation that have helped him along the way and have helped him to build a horse business that really has stood the test of time and that are going to help you do the same. So while Mike may not lay it out as a list of five things, I couldn't help myself. I pulled out some nuggets that I want to make sure that you do not miss. So stay tuned on the other side of our conversation, and I will share those with you. But for now, I cannot wait for you to meet Mike Major. Here you go. All right, Mike, thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast. I am truly, truly honored that you would take the time and jump on and share what you have learned over your years in the horse business. And I so enjoyed getting you to win. So congratulations. Um, getting to watch you win at Road to the Horse was so fun. Um, I know that you ended up taking your horse home with you. And I actually just watched the video on your Facebook page of you showing some of the progress. So that's been super fun for you guys to share as well. So again, I just appreciate you being here, Mike. Well, thank you, Denise, for having me on it. I, I appreciate you asking me to be on it. You bet. So As I told you, I know some of your story just from being on your website and of course, reading at Road to the Horse and the program and things, but I love to have my guests to share in their own words. So I know, of course, it's been a journey from beginning to end. And I know that that might take an entire podcast if you were going to do that because your experience is quite broad. But I think that much of my audience would identify with different parts of your story and the different transitions that you've had over time in your business. So if you would share a little bit about your background, um, how you started out and how you ended up what you're doing today. And if I hear something where I think my audience might want to learn more then I might interrupt you. So I apologize ahead of time. And it's just because I think that we might want to dive into a certain spot, but I would love it if you would jump into a little bit about your own background. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, my background started as a ranching family, you know, my parents and such had ranches. And so horses have been part of my life all my life. Um, We um, grew up riding, uh, working cattle, so on and so forth. My interest into the showing uh, part started early on. I always wanted to show. I showed cutting horses when I was young, roped all my life, uh, and then started showing the rain cow horse and the versatility ranch horse probably in a year 2000, I guess, was about when that come about and got really interested into it. And so, uh, and, and changed our breeding program considerable at that point too. But, uh, just, uh, just horses have been a love of my life. And so we've just 
wanted to do whatever we could do to keep them in our life. Yeah. So that's my question for you. So obviously lots of people love horses and just do it on the side. Is this something that you knew you always wanted to do for a living that you wanted to work with horses as your income? Well, you know, we've always used horses and such as that. And, and, um, since I was pretty young, I've always kind of had a little bit of a gift with a horse to kind of read a horse and such as that, even though at the there was a point in my life, I didn't really know what I was doing, had no idea, but uh, looking back on it now, but still had uh, somewhat of a gift to, to make horses understand things that I wanted them to do. And so that was just intriguing to me. I mean, it just kind of keeps pushing you to get better and better and better. So, uh, that would be the, the biggest deal is just, just enjoying the horse. So you knew you wanted to do that full time. You're like, there's not another thing I want to do. I want to do horses. And then of course the, the ranching, right? Well, the horse deal just kind of intermixed with the ranch life. You know, we uh, had the ranch just run cattle, had our uh, ranches in New Mexico. And then later I bought a ranch in Colorado and, and, uh, the horses just was a lifestyle for us with the ranch and such as that. And then horses started getting good enough to where we thought, well, we ought to try to show them. And so that's where we kind of got into the show deal was just because uh, our horses were starting to get good enough to be shown. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned um, the breeding program, which of course there are a lot of horse trainers that are, I don't want to say just, but quote marks, right, around just, that train horses, um, and they're not into breeding, but you all, and you're you're training horses, but you also have quite a breeding program, right? Yes, we've always uh, always bred horses. Actually, I got a, uh, I think, a 55-year breeder's certificate from oh, wow. AQHA. I've been breeding horses for 55 years, and actually, some of my best horses are descendants of some of the first mares that I had. So, uh, that's kind of, that's kind of fun. You know, it really is. It's, it's, it's pretty unique, but, um, we changed our breeding program when we started showing because of the fact that, you know, you need bloodlines of horses that are, uh, that are going to be good in the discipline that you've chose to show in. And so most of my horses back before we started showing were just good ranch horses and such as that. And so then we went on uh, and decided to start showing. And so we changed the bloodlines and, and our, our horses a whole bunch and, and which really, really improved our horses for the show pen and improved our horses for the ranch also. That's super interesting. I've not really thought about that aspect, which I'm sure many of my listeners have, but I find that super, super interesting. So tell me this, Mike, I think I read on your website that you actually were running a cattle ranch when you were 14. Is that right? Yes, I was running a ranch for my father when I was 14. Um, I had left home when I was 13 and went to work for actually the man who inspired me to become a better horseman, Bob Lee. He was a cutting trainer who ran a big ranch uh, south of Grants, New Mexico. And um, and he's, his horsemanship inspired me to be a better horseman. In what way? But just his horses were just so responsive to everything he asked them to do. I mean, they were very, very responsive. And uh, my horses, like say, 13 years old, you can imagine, you know, they just, they weren't nothing compared to what his horses could do or would do. I remember one day I, I uh, my horses didn't come in that morning and I had, 
had to ride one of his horses and I got to where I was afraid to move because every time I'd move, that horse responded <laughs> to my <laughs> So imagine riding all day long, afraid to move at yeah. all. You move your hands and the horse turns and goes the other way. I was like, wow, this is so cool. You know, I just had never rode a horse quite like that before. Oh, that's so cool. I could see that. Um, yeah, I'm taking riding lessons because I grew up on horses, but I just grew up trail riding, just riding for fun, right? So I'm taking lessons now as an adult where I'm learning so much of that, right? What you all talk about in your clinics and all of those things about the control. And um, yeah, it, it's amazing when I first started just experiencing it on my lesson horse, even, and they're not as sharp as a show horse, you know? So I can just imagine for sure. No, it really is. It's just, it's unbelievable feeling, you know, that when, cause you're used to horses that just don't respond and, and you get on one that, that, uh, that just is really, really responds to everything you do. It's just, it makes you really stop and think, okay, I'm, I'm not really riding this horse to its potential. So you start learning, trying to work, trying to get better yourself. Yeah. No, I'm curious about this. You know, a lot of people that get into showing, they also do coaching and maybe even have lessons um, as a business, how, tell me a little bit about how you made your decisions about what your, your horse business was actually going to look like. Cause obviously there are lots of different ways to do it. So how have you kind of found what works well for you? Well, it's like I was saying about our breeding program, you know, we, we kind of chose a discipline that we wanted to go into. So from that point, we went ahead and, and changed our bloodlines because, you know, the public has an opinion of what horses they like for certain disciplines and so on and so forth. And so that's what we tried to do was to gather bloodlines, get bloodlines uh, that were very appealing to the public that we were trying to inspire and, uh, and market to. So the bloodlines were very, very important. And uh, that's what kind of, kind of, we changed that a whole lot our bloodlines and then just, uh, and just kind of went from there. So have you had people reach out to you and ask you to coach I mean, and ask for lessons and things like that? And you were pretty clear that you knew that was not the direction you wanted to go. Well, the coaching deal, I really liked clinics and such as that. Uh, but my trouble with the clinics and showing was back when I was showing a lot, they were, uh, getting in the way of each other. You know, I'd have uh, clinics uh, scheduled and then I would have a big show that I overlooked and didn't see that I needed to really go to, to show horses to show horses in. So it just got to the point where they were overlapping a lot. And so I kind of quit the clinics for a while or just uh, slowed them down a lot. And now uh, that we're kind of slowing down in the horse show world, we're thinking about going on and uh, doing a whole lot more clinics now. Okay. Which I did see that on your website that you all were going to start be to do more clinics and things like that as well. So, um, and you can tell me, you can be like, Denise, it wasn't intentional. Just quit asking, but I'm thinking of this because I, one of the things that I hear often from people is they have a hard time with clarity on the direction they want to take their business because there's so many opportunities to make money in different ways in different places. Then kind of like you said, it starts to overlap. But not only that, they start to get overwhelmed, right? When they're trying to do all the things and do them really well. Is that some, so are you saying just Denise, that's not something I ever struggled with. I just knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to show. I knew I wanted to do ranching and I knew I wanted to focus on breeding. Was that kind of what you're saying? 
Well, that's very true. You, you can get so overwhelmed and, and try to do too much stuff. And, and what happens is you're not good at any of it, you know, mm. and instead of concentrating on, on just what you think will be the best avenue to take and do that. Because if you get overwhelmed and, and you just kind of touch on the points of a lot of different stuff, none of it's going to be as good as you want it to be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I even think about how just your program, you're focused on, it's ranch versatility, correct? Did I write that? I read yeah. that right. Yeah. And so yeah. even in that, you right, you you didn't choose to just breed for everybody. You chose a select area that you wanted to focus on. And that obviously has served you very well. Well, that's what's unique about the ranch horse versatility competition is those horses can go in so many different directions because like they've got the AQHA ranch riding, they've got the uh, rain and cow horse, they've got rain and, and in the ranch horse versatility, all those classes are in that competition. There's six different classes. So it's kind of unique. You have a, uh, you're trying to raise a horse that's very versatile in uh, a number of disciplines. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That would that would keep it extremely interesting, I'm sure, um, as well. So like I told you, I wanted to invite you on because obviously I think that you have a lot of experience and breadth of experience. And as we were chatting before, one of the things that horse business owners struggle with, um, and I'd love to get your take on this, is the idea of starting out because they wanted to work with horses for a living, right? So for you, you even said, like, I knew I had a touch with horses. That's what I wanted to do. But oftentimes what happens is then it's like all of a sudden they're a business owner. It wasn't an intention. They didn't mean to start their own business necessarily. They weren't looking to be a CEO in any kind. But then they find themselves in a place where they have to make a profit at the end of the month if they're going to keep doing what they really enjoy doing, right? Um, so I would love, yeah, so I would love to hear, um, because obviously you've been able to do this for a number of years and to continue to do it. So you've built a sustainable business. Um, was there a point for you where you kind of had to make a decision or what has that looked like for you and your business? Well, that's very true. Uh, there, there, you know, came a point where we needed to make some decisions as to in what avenue we're going to really go down and push and, and work on the most. For one, like say, uh, I had seven different stud horses and they were all cowbred horses. So our breeding program, we tried to change it to where it was inspiring to the people that we wanted to sell to. And, um, so then from there, the training part of it is, you know, you need to get those, keep those horses in the public's eye and such as that. So the showing, we had to show the horses and try to be somewhat successful to prove to the public that uh, the bloodlines were accountable, that they were good bloodlines of horses that, that should, that people should want to try to buy. And um, so... So that was uh, that was a big decision. The decision to um, to sell the ranch in Colorado and move here to Bowie, Texas, uh, was a very big decision because we kind of uh, shut down half of our cattle operation. The ranch in Colorado. We still have the ranches in New Mexico. We run cattle on, but uh, but to come here and start training horses and so. Um, 
so we focused on the training a lot and our success in the show pen kind of uh, allowed us to get all the horses that we wanted or needed to, to be in the tr- in the training uh, barn to uh, to show and uh-huh. uh, but success you know whether it be you riding your own horse or somebody else riding your horse is means a whole lot as to whether or not your program is going to succeed or not mm. So that's a biggie. How do you deal with that pressure? Well, you just try to do better. If it's not working, you just fix it. You just change it. I mean, that's because, yeah, the pressure will, it's crazy, especially when it comes down to the dollars and such as that, where you see you're not making enough money to be able to stay in this business that you, that you love. Mm-hmm. So you've got to change it to where you can stay in that business. And um, so and then it comes down, like if you're selling, if you're selling show horses, you've got to keep those horses and you've got to get them in the right hands. I mean, you've got to send them to the best trainers in the d- discipline that your horses are bred for and get them in the right hands or the best trainers that you can get them into. And uh and let them show those horses, let them see if those horses are going to be good enough to compete against everybody else's bloodlines. And, um, so that's very, very important that your horses are promoted very well. Cause if you get them in the hands of trainers who are not very good, your horses aren't going to do very good either. And so it makes a, makes a big difference. Yeah. My goodness. I'm sure. Now remind me in your program, do you have assistant trainers? No, I do not. Okay. Cause I know that's something I've heard from some people. That's another one of those struggles, right? Is being able to trust somebody else to help you. Is that, a, so when you say that, are you saying because you didn't want that or you've had it and it didn't work out or tell me about, tell me about how you built that up. Well, I'd love to have a, an assistant trainer. Uh, but the trouble is, is yes, it's, it's tough. It's tough to keep somebody to get somebody in here that you feel is good enough to just turn them loose on horses or, or to, um, have them ride behind you or whatever. Uh, it's a, it's a hard deal. And you do find somebody that's really good enough. Usually what happens, they may be with you for a while, but then what they're going to do is they'll, they'll open up a business of their own, you know, a training business of their own if they're good. And so, so it's kind of hit and miss They come and go and, and, uh, you set up your business to where you have enough horses to keep them, keep them busy and yourself or however many assistant trainers you have. And then you wake up one day and they're all gone and starting their own business. So, well, there you are, you're stuck with a whole bunch of horses and nobody to help ride them. So my deal is for me, it's just best. I just, I ride my, ride the horses. Uh, People pay me to ride their horses so they don't have to worry about, me letting an assistant trainer ride the horse. It's just mm-hmm. me that rides them. And, and it seems to be my clients seem to be a whole lot happier with that. When it's just you. Okay. Speaking of clients, I'd love to get your take that um, 
When it comes to client communications and what that looks like, obviously, that I understand that you're like, Denise, that's not marketing. But here's why. Something I talk about on the podcast a lot is the importance of the experience that you create with your customers, right? So if you have customers that have a really great experience with you, that word of mouth marketing is hard to replace. Um, so for you, how, how kind of have you dialed that down? Cause you've been doing it for a while now. What does it look like for you to communicate with your clients? So for example, we can get super granular. Are you somebody that takes pictures and video and sends them out? Do you have somebody else do that for you? Um, just kind of how you've created an, a great experience for your clients. I think it'd be great for people to kind of hear what that looks like. Well, my clients, uh, it's more like a family deal here when, uh, with our clients, I, um, I'm not that, you know, say if I've got clients we have problems with or whatever, we do not keep them very long. Uh, mm. but my clients at all, I have, it is more like a family. And if they, I, I'm not one of the people that sends a lot of pictures out. If they want pictures or videos or whatever, I have no problem sending them out you know, just as soon as we can get them and such as that. But, uh, but I'm not, um, um, I don't know. Uh, we communicate with the clients that I have. We have a, a very good communication and, and a very good relationship actually. Yeah. That's what I was, when you were saying, it sounds like the key for you is building those relationships. So when you have those good relationships, they trust you. So they're not the one that's texting and calling and saying, can't you send, can't you send, can't you send, because they trust you, even though they may be excited to see the progress, right? Uh, but you said something that I think is super key that I know is not always easy, which is that idea of if you have problems with somebody, then they may not, you don't keep them around very long um, because you no, understand we, probably. Yeah, go ahead and speak into that. I love that. Well, we just don't because, I mean, if somebody's, if, you know, we're having problems or, or whatever, there's no point, the anguish or anxiety of, of all this. And it's very costly for your clients also to keep a horse in training and to show them and so on and so forth. But, but if uh, they just need to understand uh, the way the horse show world works and, and, but we're very, we're really easy going here and, and we don't charge for everything. Like a lot of uh, trainers do. We, uh, we, we just let a lot of stuff slide, but, uh, but no, it's just best. If you aren't in a good relationship, it's best just to let them take their horses someplace else. It really is. Yeah, definitely. And I know for a lot of people, of course, that are starting out, they're saying, yeah, but that's money. Like that's the struggle, right? It's like, yeah, but that's still money. It may be annoying money and it may be super frustrating and stressing me out, but it's still money. Um, but the reality is, is the more that you can get the right people in the door, the more that it's going to be a better experience for everybody anyways. And then they're going to, you know, let people know. Right. Well, that's, that is true. I mean, if you're just starting out as a trainer, it's tough. I mean, you know, you're, you need, you need at least, you know, 10 horses in the barn or whatever to make everything work. And, and yes, it would be tough to send, send a horse home or whatever, but, but, uh, that's just a decision that you need to look into yourself, you know, but if you're honest with your clients and you're upfront with them on, on all accounts, uh, usually you just don't have much trouble, you know? And, uh, of course, sometimes some clients are slow paying, and, uh, 
and it's really hard for a trainer to carry a horse, you know, a couple, three months out there when they're footing the, the uh, entropies and, and everything else, the gas to haul the horses to the competitions, the shows and, and everything. And uh, the clients are, are not paying very, very uh, readily. Or, I mean, paying on time. Those clients are hard to keep because you're not getting, you know, you're not getting paid and you're having to carry them a lot. So, in all honesty, you're better off to cut them in the end. And sometimes it's tough. It's really tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. That makes perfect sense. Again, going back to that idea of a profitable business, right? How are you going to be profitable if you have a lot of people like that? So I have a question for you that that is marketing specific. I would love to just kind of hear about your mindset regarding marketing in general. The, you know, the idea that you're willing to get people in that can and will do the things that maybe you don't enjoy, or maybe you do enjoy it, but you're just like, I don't have time. I'd rather be outside, but I actually do enjoy having those conversations for you personally, because I know it's different for everybody. What does that look like for you? Well, and that's, if you're marketing your horses and so on, or yourself, whatever, it is very important to have somebody who is enthusiastic about what you are selling, you know, whether it be horses, your training deal, but you, uh, for somebody who's enthusiastic and a self-starter is very, very, very important, you know, uh, keep, uh, and for in the promotion thing, you, uh, like for you're selling horses or whatever, I mean, you know, f- photos of the horses that, that you're wanting to sell. I mean, and have somebody who is, doing the marketing they need like i say need to be definitely need to be a self-starter and enthusiastic about what they're doing that's really good advice that's actually super good advice i think that's one of the reasons um that a lot of horse businesses want to work with somebody whether it's their marketing or their finances whatever they want to work with people that at least have an idea about horses right because it's it's hard to be enthusiastic about it if you really could care less, you know? So that's good. So tell me this, you know, I know that they're doing videos and clips and things like that. Are you like, okay, let's, let's do this. Let's get it all done in one day and be done. Cause I'd rather be outside. Or are you like, okay, I see where, where's kind of your mindset on that. Right. So I know you have training DVDs or you did have, right. I feel like you had those at road to the horse, um, in your yes. booth. Right. So you have some products and materials and things like that. So how has that kind of come about and what is, what's your mindset surrounding those things? I'm probably the worst in the world as far as them <laughs> getting me to do stuff like that because I am busy. My deal is I like riding the horses, you know, yeah. as far as the marketing stuff, I like the marketing, but I am not good at it. I think I'd, I'm, I'm pretty wise about it but still getting it out there and getting done because I get busy training horses or riding horses. And then it's like, okay, uh, let's show, you know, let's shoot a little sh- short video or whatever. And, and then, cause being on camera makes me nervous. I mean, I've been on camera a lot and you would think it wouldn't, but it does. And then I ride different and I don't like that. I ride different <laughs> when I'm on camera than I do when I'm not. Yeah. So actually it's something that I don't really, cherish doing you know but um but yes i am i am terrible that way but uh but the thing of it is is they've just got to push 
they just need to push me to do it. And that's uh -huh. what I need. I need somebody to say, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this right now, you know, or, or set up a time or whatever. And that's important. If you're, if you're somebody like me who doesn't like getting the videos out there, whatever, have somebody who says, okay, we're going to go do the videos, set a time and say, this is when we're going to do them. And we need to do this, 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 and this, because when you're training horses, your mind is usually in a hundred different places on the horse, this and that. So you don't really take the time to think about what you really need to show. And so it's good for somebody from the outside saying, okay, you do that. It looks really cool. That would really be something great to get out there to the public and show them that what you're doing with this horse or whatever. And, uh, and so let's just shoot a clip and, and get it done. And so that's, but for somebody to be like me, I need to be pushed into doing it because I'll just avoid it. I don't think you're alone. And I know that's not a good thing to do. You need, yeah. I mean, you need to be pushed. You need to, you need to have it set on you to get it done. If you want to, if you want to promote yourself or your horses or whatever, you've got to get it done. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're not alone, but it comes to a point where you have to make the decision or hire somebody to make the decision for you um, so that you will get out there and do it. But you're right. That's why it is so important. I mean, it's just not feasible for some, for a horse business owner to really do all the things and do them a thousand percent well, because if you're going to be out doing, like you said, writing, then you're focused on that. You're not thinking about a website. You're not thinking about the next Facebook live. You're not thinking about Facebook stories or Instagram stories, all those things. Right. So oftentimes you need somebody else who is, who can prompt you um, and do those things because like it or not, social media and online is where a lot of your potential customers are, right? And and so it's exactly. where you got to be to meet them. Yep. So, yep. You've got to have somebody who will just push the envelope, especially from the outside looking in. It's really essential is what it is, actually. Yeah. Okay. Well, Mike, you've been awesome. I've got one last question for you, and it's pretty open door. I would just love to know, say you're sitting across the table from somebody who's just starting out their, their horse business, right? Whether it's training, lessons, breeding, um, what advice do you give them? Well, to pick the discipline that they want to show in it, they want to raise horses in, you know, I mean, and uh, go to the best. Uh, less is better than too much. If you get too many horses, you can't promote the horses like you need to. I mean, I, there was one time that I had 50 broodmares, 250 head of horses at the ranch, you know, and we wind up just wasting a lot of really, really good horses that just never had the opportunity to show any potential. And that's not a good thing. Um, so if you're a, if the bloodlines make a whole lot of difference on, on what you're wanting to do, you're getting somebody, get somebody who's very, very enthusiastic about taking pictures and keeping pictures out in front of the public all the time uh, of your horses or of your work. Um, and just um, your horses, if you have a good, a good horse is coming on, if you don't train yourself, make sure that you try to get your horses in the hands of the absolute best trainers in the discipline that you've chose to go into. And uh, also if your bloodlines uh, are good or whatever, but listen to the trainers because the trainers will usually 
tell you, okay, your horses are just not this good here, not that good there. So you need to listen to the trainers, especially the good trainers, and listen to what what they're telling you about your horses, and uh, don't take offense to it. Listen and learn from it. Okay, that's super good. Super good advice. I so truly appreciate your taking time to share, Mike. Like I said, I know that many people are going to hear what you're saying and go, yep, that's me. I hate doing that stuff, but I know I have to, you know, and I didn't, you didn't say you hate, but you don't love it. Right. And that's what a lot of people are telling me. That's what I hear from a lot of people, right. Is that they know they need to do it, but they don't really want to. But sometimes seeing somebody like you, who's been doing it for years, but can still say, look, if, if this is what you want to do, this is what you have to do. Um, it, it means a lot. So I really, truly appreciate you taking the time to share today. Well, I thank you for having me on, Denise, and I, I hope there's some information that will help somebody somewhere. I guarantee there is. All right, friends, what did I tell you? It was such an enlightening conversation, and I just can't say enough how much I appreciate Mike taking the time to stop by the podcast and to share a little bit about his story, a little bit about his own personal business mindset, and the things that have gotten him to where he is today. So as I promised, I have a list for you. I have five things that I've pulled out from that conversation with Mike that I want to make sure that you take away, along with the other things that may have stood out to you. I want to make sure that these five things are pulled out because I think they are so key in what he has done to build a sustainable horse business and what you can do as well. So point number one is the importance of concentrating on what you think is best avenue for your business, right? So Don't try to do everything for everybody and be everything for everybody. When Mike started to show ranch versatility, he actually changed their breeding program, right? That's a pretty big change. But he decided up front, if we're going to do this, we're going to go all in and we're going to really concentrate on building up this avenue. So again, for your business, look at ways that you can do that. Be very specific on what you're choosing to build which goes along with key number two. So the second key that I pulled out is that I want you to be making decisions that align with the direction you want to go. And like I said, this goes with number one, right? You pick your direction and then you're gonna make very intentional decisions. So for example, Mike talked about his breeding program and the different stud horses that they had available and the ones that they decided to pull in to really change up and bring in different bloodlines. They made a huge decision, right, to sell their Colorado ranch and move to Texas to intentionally focus on training. So those were some really big decisions, but they aligned with the direction that he knew he wanted to go with his business. Now, key number three is to build relationships. I love how he talked about if he has problem customers, then he doesn't actually keep them around, right? Because it's not really worth anything for them and it's not helping to build their business overall. So he talked about building a family atmosphere and that type of thing. And really relationships. We've talked about this on the podcast before. Marketing, so much of that is just building up those relationships. And so I loved that he pulled that out as an example as well. All right, key number four is marketing specific. And he talked about how it's important for you to have someone that will help you market your business if you're not going to be the one doing it, that is enthusiastic about what it is that you are selling. 
So we have talked on this podcast and I have talked to clients that have said, it's so great to have somebody that knows marketing and also knows horses. Now, I may not be a horse expert like many of you are, right, in your own right um, in the things that you do, but I know well enough about the industry to be able to make educated decisions, right, about pictures and things like that. And so it's so important when you have somebody that's marketing your business that they're excited about what it is that you're doing because they're going to do that much of a better job speaking on your behalf and marketing on your behalf. All right, key number five I thought was so good, and it was this parting advice, that less is better than too much. Now, he talked about how that applied for his horses, right? How when he had too many horses, he wasn't really giving them the opportunity to show their potential. I want you to think about less is better than too much and look at all kinds of ways that it can apply to where you are in your business right now. Maybe you have too many service offerings and you need to narrow that down and really figure out what is most profitable for you. So think about maybe it's different social media platforms. It could be that you're trying to do all the things and therefore you're actually not doing anything and you need to hone in on where your audience is really hanging out and go that direction. That's another example of less being better than too much. So again, those are five keys that Mike truly did share. I'm just pulling those out for you because I think they were so important and such great advice for you as you are building your own horse business. I would love it, friends, if you would go find Mike on social media and let him know how much you appreciate him taking the time to share and let him know that he did a great job and and just encourage him. I just, I'm always grateful when you all hear my guests that are sharing and then go find them and let them know it was so helpful because I so appreciate their gift of time and I know that you do as well. And next week, stay tuned because Mike's daughter, Alexa, is coming on and she's going to be sharing some more practical advice about building a brand and making those decisions that we've talked about. Now, of course, if you head to the show notes at stormlily.com slash 81, then I will have these five keys outlined for you. I'll have links to all of Mike's social media and his website. And I'll also have links to the previous podcast I mentioned where I interviewed Chris Stein. And then when I shared some takeaways from my time at Road to the Horse as well. So you can jump over to stormlily.com slash 81 for those. And be sure to join me next week with Alexa. It's going to be another great conversation. Until then, have an awesome day, friends.